Yo, what up, what up? From Hypebeast Radio, I'm Manning, and this is Mike Line, a show that looks to discover the origin story of your favorite artist or major player in the music industry. We ask the questions that you always wanted to get answered, and you never know who may pop by. For this episode of Mike Line, we talked to DJ Jazzy Jeff to discuss the importance and art of being a DJ, his early days in Philadelphia, and a ton more. Welcome to Mike Line. Another episode of Mike Line, someone that I grew up listening to, watching, admiring. I got the pleasure right now to talking to, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Oh, man, you just did that amazing intro, <laughs> and then you're going to pass it off to me? I always got to pass. How you doing? I'm DJ Jazzy Jeff. Yes, yes. Thank you, man. So I guess for me, my first introduction, just because I've been growing up watching TV I just and just listening to music since like as young as I can remember, I remember when you and um, Will did the tape, did the project, and like I remember the TV show. I just remember like everything, and I was like, "Damn, this these dudes are like this is what who I want to be, man." <laughs> <laughs> we used to, and I back it, and like we used to imitate y'all, and just like, yeah, like this is this is dope. This is what I want to do. So I guess um, fast forward now. I think what I'm interested in is to talk to you about. The history of being a DJ and the importance of it and like specifically in hip hop, just because as I grew up, I was taught like the pillars are the DJ, the MC, the graffiti artists, and also um, the B-boys, you know what I mean? The breakdancers. And so I always thought the DJ was a really cool position because you kind of control what the vibe that's going on. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, my question is, tell me about the importance of the DJ and like how that evolved and how it's even still to today is still one is a crucial spot in hip hop. Um, you know, you don't necessarily want to take light away from any of those others. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not dancing, you're not rapping, and nine times out of ten, you're not doing graffiti if you're not listening to music. Mm-hmm. So the 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 musical aspect of that is has always been at the core you know it, it's people don't understand how much of a tone music sets you know try try watching your favorite movie with the music off and you don't get the exact same emotion you might not even cry over the sad scenes if it wasn't for the composer composing music to evoke those emotions out of mm-hmm. um, so music has always kind of been you know the foundation for for all of that and i don't that that's not changing Mm -hmm. that's not changing you know i i I can't see that changing um you know the industry has changed so much um but we will never live in a world without music yeah i guess take me back to when what got you into interest in being a dj and like just the the learning curve you had to like get it like then you can officially say when you felt like i'm the baddest out (laughs) i still i still don't think that um (laughs) But you know what? I think growing up in the house, I was the youngest of six, um, and everybody had their own taste in music. My dad listened to jazz records. Um, my older brothers were into new age jazz and and funk, and my sisters were into R and B. So I I was a sponge and soaked up all of that. And by the time I got a chance to kind of pick my own music, I was listening to funk and soul and rock and everything. And then hip hop kind of came along. And then I just took to that. But it was, you know, everything that you gravitated from, you know, your family or was playing in the house. But I think I went to a block party one time and this the DJ had these massive speakers mm-hmm. and it was hundreds of people. And I just kept looking at the speakers and looking at the people because whatever he played 
everybody went crazy and and just danced and i was just like wow like that guy's like the pied piper like whatever he plays or whatever he does he makes people do you know and and follow his lead and i was like i want to do that like it, it was something about that watching how happy he made people you know with just the music he played and i was like i want to do that like that's you know, I think that's pretty cool because that that has no race, that has no age. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know anybody on earth who doesn't like some sort of music. Mm -hmm. What's the feeling like when you have, when you see and play the right record? Oh man, there's nothing like it. There's absolutely nothing like it. Um, and and I'm so deep that you know I'll craft sets depending on if I'm doing a festival and there's fifty thousand people there. Mm -hmm. There's no greater feeling. And knowing, I know the I know the next five records that I'm playing, mm. and I'm setting you up like I'm taking you down this road, and I'm gonna make a dramatic turn that you are going to lose your mind. But I know that five records before I do it, so I got this smile on my face because you see people engaging, and you realize like I'm just sucking you in, I'm sucking you in, I'm sucking you in, and I'm gonna play something because what I feel your favorite musical moment isn't the song that the person played that you hear all of the time. It's the most unexpected thing that he plays. Mm -hmm. It's never the hit song. No, yeah. It's, oh my God, I can't believe he played that. Mm -hmm. And that's what you leave talking to your friend about. Like, can you believe he played that? Like, oh my God, I haven't heard that in years, you know? So, but having that and realizing that you're the only one in the room that knows what's about to happen before it happens, mm -hmm. I'm Santa Claus. Yeah. I definitely get the, my friends who DJ and um, they always say like, I try to stay away from the obvious things just because like you said, the stuff, the deep cuts, the stuff that's like, okay, this is on the internet or just like, this is the B side of this record that sounds good and, and like, this is what's going to stick out. Uh, how like, what's the importance of like, crate digging and just like finding these like deep cuts that's like okay this is something and then breaking that into like because sometimes i feel like people don't even think about these songs they just be like all right I go to this and this but the good djs be like oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna try this and then watch how the, the people react well you know what I, I i don't think it's just how deep your crates are i think it's playing the right thing at the right time mm. and i think that comes from studying the crowd studying the energy in the room um you know, sometimes you start playing and you realize from the first record on, you got them. There's times that you'll play and you're kind of like, okay, this may be a little bit more of a challenge that I have to work a little bit harder to get you. And sometimes people really, really make you work, you know, but you can't play that hidden gem at the exact same time in all three of those instances. Mm. You have to kind of read the room and see when is the right time, you know, when is the right time to play it or is it the right time to play it at all? Mm -hmm. um, do you think technology helped or hurt DJ? Um, I definitely DJs? think technology helped. Well, particularly because I can carry 100,000 records in my mm -hmm. laptop and I don't have to carry 100,000 records mm -hmm. because that was very burdensome, you know, traveling yeah. you know traveling like that you know yeah. and not even just from the carrying side but just hoping that when you land your records land mm -hmm. you know you've i've had those instances that they didn't oh wow you know i ha i've had those instances back in the 90s when all of the big djs in london got jobs at the airport so they could steal other djs records what and landed and the tops of my record cases came on the beltway 
and all of my records were gone. So, oh yeah. So trust me, having my stuff on my back at all times is definitely a help. Okay, because I was about to go somewhere else, but now I'm interested in this. Like, was it really like that, I guess, like, was it warfare like that? Or just like, oh no, uh, a rival DJ or somewhere else, they'd be like, how can we, I don't know, take the records or like, or what, what was like? Was well, it-, it wasn't, I don't even think it was a rival DJ. You have to understand that, you know, before your records were digitized, mm-hmm. you had physical copies. Definitely. And I've, I have thousand dollar records. Mm-hmm that you value and you treasure because you can't buy again. Mm -hmm. So when people know that you're playing rare grooves, you know, the the term rare grooves came from when we used to carry vinyl Mm -hmm. and it was because they were rare. You know, you spent $200 on this record, you know, because you were one of the only peoples that have it, that if someone knows that and they know that you're traveling to London, they know you're the, those records weren't on my back. Mm -hmm. They knew they were in the cases that I checked. Mm -hmm. You know, there were times that records came up missing and you can tell that the records that were missing, someone very much so knew everything that was in there Mm. because they only picked out the good ones. Mm. That's crazy. So, yeah. So a reason why I was talking about technology is because I feel like now being becoming a DJ or being a DJ is now sort of look like as a uh, um, not even just a curator, but more of just like a Instagram tastemaker thing. It's very much just like. People are not even learning how to actual DJ or spin records. It's more just like I can just play the music off a phone or something. And like, do you see that? And do you be like, man, this is weird? Or do you just be like, people know what's real or not? Well, I'll put it to you like this. I am a very good basketball player in mm-hmm. my mind. Mm-hmm. I am not trying out for the Knicks. <laughs> Like, it's as simple as that. I'm never going to stop anybody from, you know, you can't stop anybody from playing basketball if that's what they enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. But there's a very distinct difference between the pros and the not pros. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of the same thing. I I want everybody to play music. The more people that play music, the more people will love it. But you can absolutely tell the difference, you know, in someone who's playing music off of their phone and someone who's done it for a long time. What do you think makes a good DJ? Um, it's a bunch of stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's it's your play selection. It's how well you can read the room and make decisions. That you know, that's one of the things that you know. There are algorithms out there now that will curate a playlist. I don't think there will ever in life be an algorithm that can read a crowd in real time, mm-hmm. because there's not an algorithm that has emotions like that to understand that you know people. Uh, you know, this is this is the vibe of the room, and I really feel that they're so accepting that if I make this left turn, they're going to follow me. There's mm. no algorithm that will be able to do that. Yeah. What are some of the things in the beginning where you, as you were, I guess, learning how to become a DJ, you were like, I want to learn, I want to get better, or you were trying to like um, perfect. Like some of the things were like, All right, I got to make sure this is straight before I feel comfortable playing or something like that. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think it's just, you know, there are times that I've played in environments that were very tense, Mm. that you kind of had to keep everybody's attention or something bad could happen. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you know, you were playing to make sure that you didn't want to give anybody reason to think of anything other than the music. And I think you, you know, just realizing, you know, I have to keep this going. And, and I, and I had to keep that going with the records that I chose and put in my case, Mm. you know, I didn't have a computer that I could pretty much go anywhere, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, whether that is playing records longer, you know, playing records more than once, 
you realize that my job is to take people on somewhat of a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and realizing that and perfecting that is kind of something that um, me personally, I don't think I ever believe I have. Because I'm always trying to get better mm-hmm. at that. Because you never know what you're thrown into. I've been thrown into some very crazy situations that internally I was dying inside. <laughs> um, and you just had to push through it. Um, anything pops to mind? Like you were like, man, I can't believe that actually happened. The Soka Prince of Toronto, who is very popular, asked me to do play at his birthday party and I said I do not play soca Mm. and he said I don't want you to play soca I want you to play what you play we're giving people different flavors that night and I told him no I said nope can't do it and he asked me again nope can't do it maybe the fifth time I said okay I'll do it Mm -hmm. and one hour before we were playing he looked at me and he said feel free to drop any soca records that you have. <laughs> and I was like, I, and from the first record I played, it was a young lady in the front crowd who was shaking her head no the entire time. And I, it was 2,000 people, and I could not take my eyes off of her because <laughs> she was just shaking her head no, 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 because, you know, it was soca so- right before I came on. Yeah. And as soon as I went off, it was soca again. Yeah. And that was a very uncomfortable feeling. But because mm. um, some like it's like sports, they're like athletes remember mostly the times where something went left because, you know, that's just sticks out naturally. Um, was there some that stuck out to you like that in those time? And do they make you want to like, all right how can I improve or how can I do things differently or stuff like that, to, that motivate you? Oh, oh, they, they always motivate you. Um, really one of those situations of this, the soca genre wasn't my lane. Mm. Um, and I didn't ha- have any intention on it becoming my lane. <laughs> yeah. And in a situation like that, it was just, okay, I have to make better choices. <laughs> did, you know, did you go up to him and be like, dude, I told you. No, <laughs> no. Cause you know, I, I, I blame that on myself. Yeah. Like I should have trust my instinct. Yeah. Um, for anyone looking to become a DJ, what was some, what would be some of the things you would say? All right. If you really want to do this, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Have a love for music, have a love for music um, and go out and listen to other DJs and not only pay attention to what they're playing, but pay attention to the movement of the people, you know. Um, there are times that people have very, very good times without dancing, um, that they're just socializing and the music is the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding that that's cool too. Like everything doesn't have to be a state of euphoria and people are screaming and pulling their hair out. Um, that's one aspect. And even with that, that level of euphoria, people can't maintain that for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another lesson that, you know, you pl- you play everybody's favorite song. You, you pretty much can play everybody's favorite song for 45 minutes before everybody taps out and their feet is hurting and they're sweating. So you have to kind of do it in waves. You mm. know, you, uh, you know, I, I have music that I send people to the bar and send people to the bathroom, mm. you know, because you want to bring them back. They're never going to leave, mm. you know, but, I, you know, there are times that when you look like, OK, they've been going really hard. I need to I need them to take a break. And so I can bring them back. What's the DJ said that you saw that, that was memorable by someone else that you're like, holy crap, thank God I was here to watch this? Um, you know what? I saw Louis Vega play at Summer Stage and 
Central Park. Um, and that was one of the most memorable sets, you know, especially because it was the time and, you know, the sun was going down. He was playing Afro House and people were just lost in the zone. And that was just something that I never forgot. I'm always curious of like listening to stories about venues that used to be here, but no longer, i.e. Tunnel. Mm-hmm. I remember everyone telling me like, man, Tunnel was like, the, the spot was there a place that you dj that's not no longer here that you're like this is one of the best places like fluid in philly mm. fluid in philly it was it wasn't a big spot but it had an amazing sound system and people came and really let loose there like i was sad to see that go yeah what was it like dj in philly because i feel like uh philly is such a rich city and it's just like so much culture so much history um but it just never t- gets talked as much about in like and like uh, and music as in the same level as like a New York or LA or whatever, but Philly history is like very much important in hip hop. What was it like DJing and coming out of there? Rough. It was, um, you know, because you, I've always felt like the Philly crowd was very hard. Like you, you had to be authentic. Like mm. they could read through it in two seconds. Mm. So it kind of really, you know, sharpened you that you knew that you had to kind of do your best I've seen people come and kind of take their foot off the gas mm-hmm. and Philly was a place that would definitely let them know. So I think that kind of got me prepared to go wherever. On my way here, I was reading about the new technology that was being built that you can grill and DJ yeah. at the same time. Can you just describe that? Because as I was reading it, I was, ima- I was imagining it and I was like, this sounds incredible. Um, McCormick developed this grill called the Summertime Hits 5000 that has sensors on it that basically, depending on where you position the food on the grill, it plays different parts of the song (laughs) that you can basically remix while you're grilling. That's crazy. Um, The funny thing is the one thing I think people don't pay attention to is I think music is just as important as the food when Mm. it comes to a barbecue. 100%. So, um... You know, I think it's really cool that McCormick kind of reached out and realized, you know, that bridging those two gaps together for people's barbecues in the summer is paramount. So it's kind of like, listen, you got, you know, you got the food, you got all of the seasons that you need from your food, you know, from your French's mustard to your, you know, your red hot sauce to, you know, to the music that it it all kind of flows together. So. I was talking about grilling the other day, and I feel like it's always it's always different when you go to someone else and gr- when they grill because <laughs> it's just a little bit different. Like I remember going to one barbecue and there was no sides, and I was like, "Y'all tripping?" <laughs> what is something do you grill, and also what's your specialty? Uh, I, listen, I grill maybe like four times a week. <laughs> I am I am my own pit master in my own yard. I am not the global pit master, mm-hmm. but I am the pit master of my domain, which most people who grill. Are and I'm also a four season griller, so mm-hmm. I, I'll grill during the Super Bowl. Nice um, weather doesn't bother me, but I think you know it depends on you know what it is. There, not all of the times you know I'll do ribs, you know, not all the times I'll do chicken. There's sometimes that if my kids just want burgers and hot dogs, I'm mm-hmm. gonna make a burger recipe and make some hot dogs. You know, if I have a bunch of friends, then I may do the meats and the sides and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but trust me, I'm one of those people that you could have easily came to my house and it would have just been meat. And I would have said, <laughs> grab a bag of potato chips. Grab <laughs> some bread. You know. Uh, all right, last question is, most essential records 
and if you were DJing, what would be like the five records you oh, like? Oh, you can't do that. To I me. know it's difficult. You cannot do that. I to know. Me. That's it, like somebody <laughs> saying, Jeff, which one of your kids are your favorite? <laughs> you can't. You, you can't. I listen. I draw, I have been asked that question for thirty years, and yeah. I've never answered it. Yeah, I respect that. Because my, my my brain draws a blank. Yeah. Because it all depends. You know, that's kind of like you know, like. What's your favorite food? I don't have a favorite food, true. you know. True, true, true. I'm, I'm going home tomorrow, and I'm gonna eat some crabs, and and then I'm going to L.A. and I'm going to go to Roscoe's, and then I'm going to Atlanta, and I'm gonna get, you know, some barbecue. Like it all depends. So yeah. same thing with music. Awesome. So well, thank you, thank you. Appreciate this. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, that's today's episode of Mike Line, and thanks for tuning in. You can listen to more episodes of Mike Line and everything Hypebeast Radio at hypebeast.com slash radio. Subscribe to Mike Line on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at ECM underscore LP and follow Hypebeast Music for more original content. Let us know who you like to have on the show, and thank you for listening to Mike Line.